This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Abner Mares is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Mares, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They like to chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, sports, music, culture, and family life. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Mares wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes release on Tuesdays in English and Wednesdays in Spanish. Bueno! Hey, Steeler Nation, this is Chet, and you're listening to SteelerNation.com broadcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker. With me is a Steeler lover from another mother, Hunter Homestack. Hunter, how are you doing today, man? Amazingly, Striker. Always better after your intros, man. I look forward every week to what you're going to come up with. It never disappoints. So thanks for the little ego boost and little pep in my step on a beautiful day. <laughs> it is a gorgeous day. Ran out to get my microphone, which obviously didn't work. But uh, when I was walking outside, I was like, man, it's awesome out today. It really um, is. But, uh, but either way, guys, later on this show, we're going to be joined by Hall of Fame caliber offensive tackle of the Cleveland Browns, Joe Thomas. So he's going to help us break down the Browns. We're super excited to talk to him. You hang on the show. We'll be talking to him soon, too. But – First off, we want to give our props to our sponsor, that, of course, being uh, Total Sports Enterprises. We have a special, special giveaway this week uh, going out. It is a signed TJ Watt 8x10. Make sure you – the only thing you have to do to, to win this signed TJ Watt 8x10, follow Total Sports Enterprises on Twitter. That's at Total Sports ENT, and retweet it. That's it. That's all you have to do. Super easy, Steeler fans. And you have a chance of winning this beautiful picture of T.J. Watt. It looks like either after a fumble recovery or a, an interception, but he's definitely got the ball in his hands celebrating there on the, on the field. It could be anything with T.J. You never know. You never know why he has the ball, but he has the ball. That's a very T.J. Watt thing to do. Literally just retweeting it for a signed T.J. picture, there, there's nothing to that. Like if you're a Steelers fan, you got to go do that because that's – Anything T.J. Watt, at this point, he's established himself as, like, that jersey you can count on to always yep. be in style, you know? Like, yep. he's not going to get cut. He's not going to suddenly fall off the earth. So, it's a safe one. That's great. And thank you very much to our sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises. Check out their website, www.tseshop, to check out all sorts of Pittsburgh signed memorabilia that you can pick up for gifts, holidays, everything coming out. They're a great, great uh group to pair with us and we thankful for their sponsorship and their partnership. 
So moving on, Steelers won the battle for Pennsylvania, but we lost a couple players here, Hunter. I just watched the um, what you call it? the uh, Mike Tomlin presser here, and he went over quickly. It looks like David Castro is going to be out for the next game with an abdomen injury. I don't know if that means we're going to push him to in, uh, injured reserve or not. But we had good news for the people that missed the game last week. Both Derek Watt and Marcus Allen are supposed to be uh, practicing at least sometime this week. Same thing with Deontay Johnson, who hurt his back in the previous game, as well as Marcus Pounty, who hurt his foot. Tomlin thinks both of those guys will be back. And an interesting person that was not even listed, he came out of the game, came back in the game, and that was T.J. Watt, the autograph sh- picture we showed you last time. He separated his shoulder, and one of the Steelers reporters tweeted out when they witnessed him getting his shoulder put back into place before he ran back out to finish the game. So T.J. Watt, huge competitor, great to have him. He's tough as they come, the whole Watt family, obviously. But good news on the injury front other than uh, David DeCastro going down. Yeah, being down two watts would have been pretty brutal for the Steelers, even though Alex Highsmith looked pretty good in relief, honestly. You know, there's not a huge drop-off, which is crazy to say. Yeah. Highsmith's production and performance so far has been very good, very, you know, above what's expected, at least for me personally. So I like what I've seen from Alex Highsmith for sure. But you want T.J. Watt in the game if you're a Steelers fan. That's a guy that you never want to see leave the field, and especially because of an injury. So it's pretty cool that they could – that it was just – just your average separated shoulder. You know, sometimes yeah, right? sometimes I get to type in a little too fast and I feel a little tweak and somebody needs to come set my shoulder right too. So, TJ, I totally understand what you're going through out there. I feel literally the exact same pain as a writer and everything. So, I get it, man. But overall, <laughs> overall the, the injuries are pretty mild, honestly. You look around the yeah. league, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of teams have it a lot worse than the Steelers right now. So, on the injury front, I don't think it's really bad news for the Steelers. And, and we've been very lucky. The ones that have been getting injured seriously are the players, of course, that we have very good depth behind. You know, Kevin Dotson, Big Dot, doing a great job again. Last week, plastering Cox, who's an awesome oh. <laughs> defensive player, and he's been playing this, this league for a decade. Of and, all guys, uh, yeah, of he, all guys. Yeah, he pwned uh, 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 Cox pretty well on a couple running plays. I saw Pancake. I saw him, you know, just well-handed. So other than a couple penalties, I know that's – he's still young. He's doing all the right stuff. I, I wasn't even sure he should have been called for that downfield. He looked like he was one yard downfield, which is still still within the range when they when the ball was thrown. So then he took off downfield after the ball was thrown. I think the ref saw it late. Something happened. But, that, I mean, obviously the refereeing crew did an awesome job last game, right, Steel Nation? Yeah, they were great. <laughs> on both, on, hey, man, on both sides of the ball, to be yeah, fair, on both sides of the ball. This isn't a – this is not a homer take. The refs were just actually terrible all the way around last week. I still don't understand what they're seeing. I don't understand why they're calling every pass interference in the world on both sides of the ball this year, but yeah. calling no holding penalties. Yeah, zero. TJ, TJ Watt literally got hugged yeah. and nothing got <laughs> called. Like, I don't understand how much harder you can hold somebody. And, and like I said, man, it's on both sides of the ball that that's just not getting called this year, which is so, so weird. But – Hey, what are you going to do? It's officiating. You never get anywhere complaining about it. And ultimately, when, when both sides are feeling it, it does kind of even out the game a little bit. Yeah. But a couple positives. I mean, we talked about it last week, how Mike Tomlin had a great record coming off of uh, bye weeks. He was 9-4. and four, Now he's 10-4. and four. That's four in a row for Mike Tom- Tomlin coming off of bye weeks, even though this one wasn't planned at all. And the Steelers also have over 26 points in each of their first four games to start a season for the first time since 1940. That's crazy. 
That's crazy, man. I do. Yeah. <laughs> a stat like that, you know, I haven't dug into the numbers enough, but I would want to see the inflation of average points per game over that same – because it just feels yeah. like off, offense is so well, yes. so overpowered today anyway. Yeah. So that that's a stat that's kind of just going to naturally happen, I feel like. Yeah. But on the flip side, the way you got to look at it, everybody's saying, oh, the Steelers' defense looks terrible. And we're definitely going to get into that and talk about some things that they can do better. But at the same time, every offense is just shining this year. The, the league has just changed to such an offense-driven league that really the days of those defenses that hold you to three points or under 10 points a game, that's just – that's three way points. gone. We're They're way gone. gone. Yeah. You yeah. can't expect a team to just limit somebody to 10 or even 17 anymore. Yeah, we asking for an over-under on interceptions from Baker possibly being two on Twitter. Mm. I hope so. I want to see those numbers. Um, the one thing we can't really judge is interceptions and when they're going to happen because usually Baker would throw a lot of interceptions back when they didn't have as good as an offensive line or even skill players around them. They're a much better team this year. Better running game as well, which is helping Baker be Baker. So I'd be happy to get one turnover from Baker and a sack fumble from uh, Bud coming across, throwing the hammer, or TJ throwing the hammer to throw that ball on the ground. I'd be happy with that. Thanks, Twitter, for that yeah. question. But one thing I want question. to state about this game, Hunter, it started and ended with Chase Claypool, and I'll throw up some some video here while we're watching here on our Facebook friends here at SteelerNation.com Facebook page. Chase Roll Claypool, four touchdowns, three receiving, one rushing, 116 yards on 11 targets. And as we talked about, one of those targets was a phantom – pass interference another target he caught it a beautiful diving catch but his other leg hit the defender on the way down which is a good call but man was that a play what's crazy man you talk about that that catch for sure and yeah. the other play that he got called for opi that was extremely ticky tack that yeah. that was you know i haven't seen a definitive angle but that was potentially a touchdown if they don't it call it i yeah exactly. i, I couldn't yeah. tell if he stayed in but yeah yeah so we're talking he actually scored five touchdowns that game if they <laughs> if they don't right. call the if they don't call the penalty, but what I liked more than any of this, and here's one right here, this third down conversion, he had like three or four clutch third down conversions. Six. Six. Okay. Third down oh. conversions. I counted them up. Okay. I was going to say, so you can see. Film. I'm a geek, guys. <laughs> so, so think about this, guys. Like, just to even get targeted six times on third down shows yeah. an extreme level of confidence in the guy. And for a rookie – that's just unheard of. Like you don't see them go back to the same well six times on third down to the same guy trusting him and then actually converting each time, making the catch and a variety of catches. You know, you've got the little yeah. curl, you've got the quick slant, you're, yep. you're getting an end around. You're doing you're, drags you're, right across the line. Crazy. Yeah, it's you're right. beautiful. So you're seeing exactly the weapon that they thought Chase Claypool would be. That's all, all they all talked about. Yeah. right after the draft was we can use him in a multitude of ways. And that's what we love about him. We think he can excel everywhere. I mean, this game was the perfect microcosm of that. We saw yeah. literally every usage of Chase Claypool and everybody wants to do the, Oh, who does he remind you of? Who does he compare to? And for me, I, I don't know if you want to do a comparison as well. For me, it's still Martavis Bryant, but just well, with the head on his shoulders, I yeah. see a lot of the same qualities, which is crazy. And that's exactly what they needed. You know, Anybody who's watched the show knows I think the world of Martavis is a talent as a yeah. football player. So now I think Chase can bring that same level and maybe if not even a step above because he seems to have such a higher work ethic and just, you know, a head on his shoulders. Yeah, his numbers aren't far off of Brian. I mean, Chase has five touchdowns on the season. Bryant had eight in his entire rookie season. Um, Brian also looks like 
he never like th this is the interesting thing about Chase Claypool. And I did a breakdown on the Steeler Nation forum yesterday, showing like all the well-known, you know, six four and high and taller, six three and taller. So I included Larry Fitzgerald, Randy Moss, Megatron, um, of course, our boy Chase, and then um, Martavis Bryant and Plexico Burris. Mm -hmm. And Randy Moss is off the charts. I mean, right out of the box, he had like thirteen hundred yards and seventeen touchdowns. I mean, that's just sick. But he projects to be right around, you know, over a thousand yards. Um, right now, he's projecting at twenty touchdowns, which is just insane. He's not going to keep that up. No, that's um, crazy. But his rushing, his rushing numbers, he's used more in the rushing game uh, than any of those other previous receivers ever were. He's also one thing that I've noticed is the Steelers really started utilizing him in the one and two wide receiver sets on rushing downs. So now that was a position that Juju used to take, and he took that position over from Washington the previous year. Um, just because of his blocking versatility. But, I mean, this is – Claypool is way more versatile in blocking. Plus, he gives you a rushing advantage and a rushing option being the only wide receiver on the field. And he gives you that deep threat if you want to show a one-on-one -on -one with the guy. I mean, come on. I mean, this is – so right now, his numbers are really dramatically going up as being – taking the most snaps as a wide receiver in our offense already in his, in his fourth game. It's which crazy. Is incredible. And then plus – He's your starting gunner on all of your coverage teams. That's, that's not something Randy Moss ever had to do. That's not something Larry Fitzgerald ever had to do. And these are guys that came in and they gave them a starting position, said you don't have to play special teams. You are the guy. We'll take care of you. Just go out and make plays. So, he, to me, he, he is a unique guy. So, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald, I like that comparison only as a pass catcher. But as far as for being a versatile runner, as far as being a versatile special teams player, this guy is unique. He's a new player. He's got the size, the, the, the physical weight. The only person that had as much weight as him was Megatron. Everybody else had the height, but they didn't have that weight to speed ratio. Yep. And that gives you that extra pop down field when you got little guys trying to trying to tackle you, leg tackle you, arm tackle you. It's not going to happen with Playful. Yeah, and that's why I feel like he is like a more physical Martavis for sure. And especially, I think Martavis had a little more straight line speed and agility. If you would just line them up in a foot race, I would bet on Martavis in yeah. his prime for sure. <laughs> but, but Claypool does so many other things that make him a weapon, and surely he's fast enough, as you've already seen. And what I love, man, I think back to Joe Hayden's tweet during, during the offseason, during training <laughs> camp, when he said, this kid's going to be a problem, mark my words, or whatever the tweet was. Yep. And it's like, why didn't we – we really should have listened to Joe Hayden probably <laughs> because I'd say he knows a thing or two about what Claypool can do. So those words are already coming true. To see Chase Claypool coming into his own this fast, Yeah. It, it's crazy to see, man, because we talked about it last week of how Steelers rookie receivers typically don't do that much work. It usually takes them a year to really settle in, if not more than a year. A.B. took like – Till his third year to really yeah. get rolling. So yeah, I mean, he started off as a special teams player. Right, exactly. But yes, he, he didn't. You're right. AB didn't get into the role until a couple of years down the road. Right. So so it's tough to just step in and make an impact in the NFL. But Chase is absolutely doing it, doing it at just a crazy high level. So it's awesome to see. I'm I'm just happy for him. He seems like a great kid. I love everything that I've seen from him, both on and off the field. And right now, the the biggest cliche in the world applies: the sky's the limit. Like when you come out and score four touchdowns in an NFL game. That doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> and I would be remiss, too, if we didn't talk about Ben Roethlisberger, man, because for a guy – you've got to keep in mind, every, every single game this year we've had a different leading receiver, a receiver mm. with more yards. We had D DJ had it the one game. Ebron had it the one game. Now you have Claypool having another game. Ben is getting that ball around to everyone. And I'm talking about all four 
running backs, both tight ends, all five now receivers caught the caught a pass in last week's game. DJ had one right before he got hurt and hurt his back on that punt return. But this is something that Ben does not get enough credit for, is he makes the team around him better, and he's really evolved to a point where he's not forcing the football to that one A-B guy or that one guy where he knows, hey, you know, you're the guy that bails me out. He gives it to everybody. Like, he, yeah. got, he went hard to Ebron. He went hard to Washington. He went hard to Juju. He went, even Ray Ray got a third down. I mean, this is, this is big. And then Claypool just having a breakout game like this. So I want to recognize and let Steeler Nation know, like, Ben is still hard on himself, but he had a game where he completed 79% of his passes, one pass away from being an 80% completion percentage game. Not three bad. touchdowns and no interceptions. I mean, that's perfect efficiency. Like, I mean, he's, yeah. he's growing in his reads and recognitions. Even uh, Coach Peterson from the Eagles mentioned that, you know, what did you do? What, why did you have Jerry on uh, Claypool on that last play? I mean, why do you have a linebacker on Claypool? Well, number one, Ben audible to that. He right. had Claypool playing and Eric Ebron's inside slot with three slot receivers on that side. So he's the closest in line of scrimmage. That was supposed to be Ebron. They had Ebron split out to the other side. And that was the first time that both he and Ray Ray ran that play and were completely in different positions than they normally play. And then Doug Peterson had to say, look, they made the right call and the right audible and the right situation because that is what won the game. Ben recognized that he saw two high safeties. He's, he was seeing that zone coverage. He was actually expecting a blitz with a single high at first, and they had a different play called. He audibled out when he saw that zone coverage with the split zones. He, you, you could see him even – somebody did a breakdown, too, on Twitter, where you saw him turn to Juju and say, you have the out, which meant if, if Juju runs that out pattern, it means that safety on the high left is going to the left side of the field, wide open middle of the field with a one-on-one -on -one linebacker, inside linebacker on Claypool. And I know Steeler Nation, we always get upset saying, how can you have a linebacker on a wide receiver? Schematics. It happens. It happens to the entire league. It happens to us against San Diego when they got uh, Allen running against us. And it happened to the – fortunately, it happened for us this time with the Eagles. I love that you put it that way because that's exactly what I was going to say. It's what we talk about so much where the offense is allowed to make plays too. Like sometimes it's not that the defense broke down or didn't do its job. It's that the offense executed better and exploited something they saw. You know, the offense is allowed to make plays. So I think that play was the perfect example of it working in the Steelers' favor. Yeah. So next time you see something like Vince Williams covering Keenan Allen, hopefully yeah. you don't see that too much. But when you do, maybe take into account that the Steelers maybe didn't want that to happen, but yeah. the offense made that happen. Yeah. And Ray Ray is, is our third leading rusher for a game. We had Connor leading for two, Snell leading for one, and then Ray Ray with that big ripoff. He had two rushers from 63 yards. Added another 12 yards receiving, three catches on three targets. That's big for a guy that's just working into the system that had to be thrown in since DJ went down with an injury. Connor with a strong game, 15 carries for 44 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 19 yards, 63 total yards. I mean, that's all they really needed was production out of him, and they got it. They worked Snell into the game a bit, McFarland into the game a bit. Um, and like we said, we already talked about Juju. Ebron had a good game, five for six, 43 yards. I know he had that fumble, but, guys, he got hit, and it was a, it was a great defensive play. I mean, yeah, I want to be hard on him, and Steeler fans on Twitter and on, and on the forum page are still saying striker. I mean, come on, he nearly – he, he had a fumble to one place. Next time he had, he had an mm -hmm. interception, nearly had an interception. It's like, no, he didn't nearly had an interception. He dropped an incomplete – it was an incomplete pass, and it bounced off the ground, and that terrible officiating team called it an interception. 
before yeah. they fortunately reviewed it and said, nope, that's not an interception. Yeah. But either way, and the last one I want to talk about too is Washington. Three catches for 28 yards. You're like, okay, he didn't have a lot of production. But you got to keep in mind, he's been smart as hell. Two plays, he drew pass interference. Once in the end zone, the other was on a five-yard line. And that gave us touchdowns on both of those drives. So kudos to Washington, working hard, using that big body, getting defenders to hit him and, and get those contact calls. He's just so tough, man. And I think on that Ebron uh, fumble, Washington came flying down the field to make the tackle, like went totally. I mean, he was going for the dude's head. He wasn't just trying to wrap him up. He was trying to level him and get the ball back, you know, force another fumble. So Washington is just that high effort player that is reliable that we've seen the Steelers have, you know, throughout the years. They've always had that third receiver that just gets the job done, moves the change, does, does the dirty work. That's the role he's settling into. And just as far as the volume stats go, we talked about this, you know, several times is that when you have this many weapons, it's, you're not going to have the guy with 1600 yards receiving in a season. There's just not that much to go around. So the way Ben is spreading it around as Steelers fans can see makes the entire offense hum better. It doesn't work as good for fantasy football. It doesn't look as good in the national ranks or when you look at, you know, NFL.com's team rankings and everything, but it helps them win games. And ultimately that's all they care about. Yep. And guys, uh, we're starting here a little earlier than later. Uh, I'm going to admit our guest here via Browns Nation. We have, we are joined by legendary 10-time Pro Bowl and 8-time All-Pro Offensive Tackle of the Cleveland Browns, Joe Thomas. Joe, welcome behind enemy lines. How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're ecstatic. And congratulations, you are the first non-Pittsburgh Steeler-affiliated interviewee on our podcast, so we're really happy to have you. Oh, wow. That's uh, quite an honor. So thank you very much. <laughs> so um, first couple things I guess we want to start talking to you about. I, we have a huge matchup within the division, and this division is just log-jammed at the top with three excellent teams, three of them having four wins apiece, both in Baltimore, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. And the only loss – really cut well except for uh, Kansas City to uh, Baltimore but the only other loss coming interdivisionally uh being a being a friendly fire attack there within the division so Joe how's this division shaping out and how do you like seeing it this year well I think going into this weekend uh, if you looked at the schedule before the season started nobody would have anticipated two teams with four wins going at each other like the Browns and the Steelers are going to be this weekend I think everyone kind of knew that the the Ravens were going to be really good there was a lot of question marks for the Steelers coming back into the season with Ben Roethlisberger, right? That was going to be the big question mark. Was he going to be fully healthy? Was he going to be back to form? Obviously he's proven that and he's playing some of his best football of his career right now, but probably the biggest surprise out of all of them. It's got to be the Browns, right? Four and uh, one. They've surprised even me. I I thought that they were going to be about a 500 team. Uh I really liked Kevin Stefanski. I thought that obviously they have a lot of weapons on offense. They're going to have a better offensive line, a good rushing attack. Um, But just with the shortened pandemic training camp and the new head coach, I thought there was going to be a lot of hurdles for them to overcome, especially early on in the season. A lot of young guys on that team, a lot of problems that you have to deal with when you just don't have a lot of practice time and you've got a young roster and you got to give credit to Kevin Stefanski and the Browns right now. They've really played good football. They've got those guys playing at a high level and they've got them on the same page much quicker than I think most people expected. So it's kind of cool having a little Brown Steelers game with a lot riding on it for a while. I know, right? <laughs> it's 
is great. And, and you hit the nail on the head there too, Joe, because I was looking across the rosters in the AFC North and talent is what jumps off the page when you look at the skill positions on offense for the Cleveland Brown roster. I mean, Odell Beckham and, and, and Jarvis Landry at receiver. Uh, you got just brought in Hooper and you have Njuku as well at tight end. That I think is an amazing tight end as well. And then you have Hunton and uh, – um, gosh, why am I drawing a, a – Like Chubb. Chubb, yeah. I always want to say Grubbs. I, I always say get names wrong. That's why that's what's really good at the show is getting names wrong. But yeah, yeah, Chubb and Hunt. I mean, it's just – you have a lot of top-end talent at all the positions. It seems the running game is clicking – giving Baker a little bit more time and he's feasting on this, on this, uh, on the way that the rushing game is kind of presenting him with more moments and more time to make plays downfield. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the talent is mostly the same as it was last year. The, the big issue last year, obviously the coaching was a problem. They weren't really calling plays that favored the things that Baker Mayfield does well. Baker kind of regressed, didn't have a great season. His offensive line didn't do a great job protecting um, and so really this offseason, the Browns management with new general manager, Andrew Barry, they yeah. really overhauled the roster uh, at the offensive tackle position. They brought in Jack Conklin and free agency, made him one of the highest paid right tackles in the NFL. They drafted Jed Wills uh, out of Alabama for their first pick in the first round um, to play left tackle. And both those guys have probably even exceeded expectations as high as they were. They're playing great football. Bill Callahan's a new offensive line coach that they brought in, and he's done a great job getting those guys playing hard, playing, getting on the same page. Um, And I think Kevin Stefanski's offense really fits Baker Mayfield a lot better than the offense that Baker played in last year, because Baker's a short quarterback, right? Everybody knows that by looking at him, right? He's six foot. And if you're a six-foot quarterback, it's to your advantage to get outside the pocket, to throw on the move, where you don't have those big hog mollies in front of you blocking your view. (laughs) Um, About the only guys that really do a good job that are short, that can throw from the pocket, are guys like Drew Brees, who are throwing to a spot, who've got years and years of experience with timing routes. And they can't even see. They just know the coverage. And they know that if they throw to the spot, their guy's going to be there, right? But Baker just doesn't have enough time in the NFL yet. And really, so an offense like Kevin Stefanski has where it features a lot of play action, it features a lot of bootleg, that really plays into what Baker Mayfield does best. And when you got two great running backs like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, being able to run the football and then kind of work play action off of that uh, really has been great for this offense. And you've seen it with the production that they've had thus far in the season. And what we've been seeing also is, do you, do you see anything blocking or schematically different within the blocking set? Or have they adjusted a different way to do the running attack? Is it more of a zone scheme? Is it more, do they have a plan specifically the way that you see the blocking attacking other teams this year? Yeah. So last year they kind of had uh, a grab bag of runs, you know, some of the traditional powers, the gap yeah. schemes, the inside zones, uh, yeah. but not a lot of outside zone. And this year I would say, they've focused more attention on the outside zones. Um, Kevin Stefanski's background comes from the Gary Kubiak, Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan kind of outside zone rushing attacks um, that have been really popular in the NFL in the nineties when Mike Shanahan was with the Broncos, but then they've seen a big resurgence in the last 10 years or so um, in the NFL. And the Browns have done a really nice job with that. It's a, it's a little bit of a challenging scheme to implement, but once you get it rolling, it can be absolutely devastating because 
when you're stretching the defense horizontally and you're making those defenders run sideline to sideline every play, they get tired. Yeah. And then those <laughs> holes get really big. Yeah. And then you get an opportunity, if you have some receivers blocking down the field, to get some really big chunk plays in the run game. And that's something that just – those traditional inside zone gap scheme running teams don't provide you with the opportunity to hit big home run plays. So this is really a different running scheme than it was last year. And, and it's showing with uh, a, a, a really, really dynamite rushing attack. That's really been the impetus for that four and one start for the Browns. Nice. And I forgot to introduce myself. I'm sorry. We're just so excited to have you on the show. I'm the host. I'm Stryker. And with me also is my co-host Hunter and I'm sure Hunter has a question for you as well. He's been chomping at the bit to talk to a legend. Beautiful. Yeah. Joe, it's nice to meet you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Hey, man, what I want to ask about is because as just, you know, watching the Steelers growing up my whole life, I grew up a Steelers fan. When it comes to Browns week, there's always an extra level of intensity, right? But I got to say, throughout the years, you were always a guy that I feel like no Steelers fans had animosity for. It's like, well, Joe Thomas, yeah. he's just – he's still <laughs> – he's one of the best ever. You know, how can you hate that guy? But from your perspective as a player, what, what is it about Steelers-Brown week that brings that extra level of intensity? What are the players feeling leading into this game? Well, I think they're feeling the same level of intensity that the fans are. And I think really from a player's perspective, because when you look at the NFL, most guys aren't playing for the teams that they grew up cheering for. It's just the nature of the business. Like you get drafted or traded or uh, signed somewhere else, right? I grew up in Wisconsin. I grew up a big Packers fan, Uh, was never a Browns fan until I got drafted by them. And so as a player, what you do is you feed off of the energy from your fan base because you're living in that city, you're going around town, you're going to the grocery store, you're hitting up the bars, and you can tell when it's Steelers week, when it's Browns Steelers, when it's Browns Ravens because there's a good rivalry because obviously everybody yeah. knows the Browns went to, to Baltimore. Yeah. Um, there's just a different level of intensity and focus in that fan base because when you're walking around town, people are saying, it's Steelers week. You know, you got to kick their ass. I hate those guys, you know. And it's just that intensity that you realize it just means more to the fan base. And as a player, you really, really feel that. And you feel like an obligation and a duty to your fans – to try to make them happy. You know, this is a big game for the fans. This is a big game for us. And a lot of times uh, playing interdivision, those are big games too, because those are what determine the tiebreakers. When I was a rookie in 2007, um, we finished 10 and six and so did the Steelers, but the Steelers beat us twice in the division. And so they ended up winning the division crown. And that was kind of a big welcome to the NFL moment to understand for me personally, how important those division games are, because a lot of times the winner of the division probably has nine, 10, maybe 11 wins. And there's going to be some type of tiebreaker that's going to determine who wins the division. And so unfortunately in my career, I never had another winning season to be able to decide and figure out what those uh, tiebreakers were all about. But I'm really optimistic that the Browns are headed in the right direction. And that great Brown Steelers rivalry where the, the games at the end of the season are really going to mean something. And then that, that is really going to be fun for the fans. Yeah, well, it certainly looks that way, man. And I just wanted to check because Steelers fans, I'm sure Browns fans, you know, any fans love to compare across eras or compare current players to past players. And you obviously have blocked against some of the best Steelers outside linebackers, James Harrison, you've met, you know, a number of times. So 
How do you think Joe this? Porter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you think this current group stacks up against the guys that you had to play against? How do Dupree and Watt kind of match up to these past Steelers? One being a Wisconsin guy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I have a little love in my heart for a Steeler, and that's only because he's a Badger. Um, <laughs> honestly, I think T.J. Watt is up there and has a chance to, by the end of his career, have a better career than James Harrison at this point because James Harrison has that defensive player of the year honor. He played so long at such a high level. I think he's at this point still a better stealer outside pass rusher, but that's only because TJ is such a young player and it's going to be fun to watch his progression. Um, I would say the best duo of outside backers that I played against when I was in the NFL was uh, Lamar Woodley and James Harrison. Um, James was playing defensive player of the year caliber every single year and then Lamar Woodley had a couple year span I don't remember I don't have his stats in front yeah. of me but he was maybe 10 12 16 sacks yeah. uh, a season and those two dudes were just so devastating because they came, they came off the edge and both those guys were like little pit bulls they would just squeeze the pocket they were so powerful so strong um, if you weren't big and strong at tackle you were gonna get beat up all day because they were just steamrolling tackles left and right. And I think that duo was pretty amazing. I, that, that was the best duo that I can remember watching. Although I always liked Bud Dupree. I know for a while people kind of poo-pooed him because yeah. he didn't really, he didn't really reach his potential right away, but I always thought that he had something to him and it was just going to take a little longer for him to figure it out. And, and he's really figuring it out. He's become quite a great weapon and pair him with a guy like TJ Watt. And there's a synergy there between those two guys that have been ripping up the league right now. So maybe by the end of the year, I'll have a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, but uh, right now I would still, I would still give it to James Harrison and Lamar Woodley. And then my second best would be uh, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree. Makes a ton of sense, man. When you look at, you know, specifically Dupree and Harrison playing the same side there, when you look at their builds, they couldn't be more opposite looking guys, you know, Dupree's like six, five, whatever he weighs. And Harrison obviously always won with leverage being the shorter man. What are the challenges, you know, facing kind of a shorter, stockier, powerful pass rusher versus a longer leverage or longer, leaner kind of guy like Dupree? Well, I think James Harrison was great because of his leverage, because of his size. He would be able to get up under people's paths so much easier. And he gave tall tackles a lot of problems. Um, I remember watching games like, James Harrison versus Jonathan Ogden and some of these taller tackles in the NFL, a lot of times they struggle because it's hard to bend down that low. I mean, James Harrison was 5'9", 260, 250, and it makes it tough to get down under their level so that they can't beat you with leverage. And a lot of times James, he didn't have a lot of pass rush moves, but he was very, very strong. He was very powerful. He could get you up the field, get your shoulders turned, and then he would come into you with just this devastating power, push you right back into the quarterback. Or he would come up the field and he would turn into you like he was going to bull rush you, and all of a sudden he'd uh, slip you with that little dip and rip and then beat you around the edge. Um, And it was really hard to get your your pads down low enough to be able to block and pass the quarterback. So uh, he was a very unique pass rusher, and I think – that's part of the reason he was so great. Um, Bud Dupree is a little bit more conventional where you're seeing the big, tall, strong guy. Um, but he provides a little bit of a challenge for some guys because of how fast he is. He's very, very fast. He gets you off balance because of how quickly he can work up the field. And then anytime you get an offensive tackle off balance before the point of contact, 
you're in the driver's seat now as a defensive end. Yeah. And uh, you've seen that quite a bit because then you can use power. You can spin back inside. You can knock a guy, his hands down, and get him to move his shoulder pads forward and beat him around the edge. So um, I think that's the thing that Bud does the best is he gets guys off balance because of his speed moving upfield, and then he can kind of work off of that with uh, good hand movement or some of his power or some of his inside moves. Nice. Thank you, Joe. And how do you see this week shaping up? What uh, You obviously have the Steeler defense, who's one of the top um, defenses currently in the NFL at defending the run, which happens to be Cleveland's strength. So what should Cleveland be doing to, to kind of go – do they have any mismatches that you can see that they kind of utilize to open up their run game a little bit against the Steelers' defense? Well, I wouldn't say there's any mismatches because the Steelers' defense is pretty damn good. Um, But I would expect the Browns to play a lot of two tight end sets um, to try to get those tight ends on the field. You mentioned David Njoku and Austin Hooper, both guys, very good pass catchers. They're athletic guys. You have an opportunity to get the Steelers in bigger people, right? So they're in their base defense because you have those two tight ends. You do have those good running attacks. And then you can exploit a linebacker on a Joku or a linebacker on Hooper in the passing game. And then the Steelers are going to be kind of forced to decide, hey, do we keep a linebacker? Do we play a a nickel in there? Do we play an extra safety to try to cover those guys a little bit more? And then that's when you can kind of run the football. And having uh, Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on the outside is a huge advantage because a defense kind of has to pick their poison pill that they want to swallow. I mean, you really can't go one-on-one with Odell uh, all the time because he's so good at getting open and catching the football. And so if you double him, now you're left with singles across the board. And if you have big people in to stop the run game, now you have a a mismatch at tight end. So I think the Browns offense can provide a lot of problems, but the thing that's making me lose some sleep is that Steelers pass game on offense. The way they're throwing the football with Big Ben and the weakness of the Browns team is their secondary. They've had a lot of injuries. They've given up a lot of yards in the passing game. And they've really survived on turnovers. But anybody that watches the NFL knows that you can't count on your defense getting a ton of turnovers every single week. That's not a great way to live and die because sometimes that turnover well goes dry. And uh, so I'm going to be really nervous watching when the Steelers are on offense, when they're throwing the football down the field, because uh, if Chase Claypool has a game like he did last week, I don't know if the Browns have a chance. Goodness. Yeah. I don't know how few, you know, it hasn't happened on our team since 1940. So (laughs) we're not expecting it to happen every week, but it was nice that it happened. Uh, But but you're absolutely right. Ben Roethlisberger this year looks even more determined and more competitive and harder on himself. He's spreading out the ball way more efficiently. He's not just locking in on one guy like he used to with Antonio Brown. He's got – I mean, it's a much younger set of receivers. They each have their own skill set. They're each talented, and he's spreading the ball out in in a way that you don't – it makes – I think it would make it more difficult for a defense to key on an offense when they're just willing to distribute the ball to anybody who's on the field. Yeah, I've always thought passing attacks that have a lot of B-quality – pass catchers Mm -hmm. is better than having one a plus guy Um, because in the NFL these defensive coordinators they get paid they're pretty smart they know what they're doing (laughs) they can come up with a defense that is going to lock down a number one guy if that's all you have if you don't have a second punch or a second pitch 
Um, NFL defensive coordinators are pretty smart at figuring out a way to be able to limit that guy's production. Like a lot of times if you've got one number one receiver and you're playing like a three, four, you've got a big linebacker, you can put that linebacker out there, jam him at the line of scrimmage, disrupt timing, make him a little bit slower getting into his route. And then you can pick him up with a cornerback and man coverage and you can do a pretty good job of limiting what they can do. Or of course you can play man and you can roll a safety over the top, but there's a lot of different things you can do if you're not as worried about the other pass catchers to kind of limit one individual player. But if you're like the Steelers are right now and you've got three or four dudes that can go out and catch 10 passes, it makes the defense have to decide, all right, who are we least afraid of and who are we going to provide the least amount of coverage to? And then unfortunately, when you got a smart quarterback that's been around forever, like Ben Roethlisberger, who's going to go to the hall of fame, he finds those matchups pre-snap and you know, he's going to feast on that because there's not a coverage that he hasn't seen in his career. There's no disguise that is going to fool him. And, uh, it makes for a defensive coordinator to pull out his hair on a Sunday. Well, hopefully he'll be joining you in the Hall of Fame, too. We know how good you are. So <laughs> The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. A couple quick questions here from Steeler Nation that I want to get to before your time is up. Uh, Paul G. from SteelerNation.com wrote in on the forum site. He said, what is it like for a team leader like yourself who spent the entire career with one organization to address younger players in the locker room after frequent organizational changes that occur with the head coaching staff in the front office? What kind of advice... Can you, cry, can you give to those players to try to hold the team together in those moments? Well, it's tough. And thankfully for Steelers players, they haven't really had to deal with that practically yeah. ever. I mean, uh, honestly, I think you're hitting a moment right now where I think you finally hit the right GM coaching yeah. section. But yeah, but like what you have to deal with in the past. 
I mean, really, all you can do as a player is you got to sell hope and optimism, right? That that's yeah. all you can do. You, you try to control the things that are uh, controllable for you, and that's your effort, your your attitude. Um, and as a leader on the team, it's your job to set the mindset and the mentality for the team. And so, uh, you want to do as well as you possibly can, obviously. And those younger guys, they're going to be looking to you to see how you react when a coach gets fired, to see yeah. how you react when somebody gets hired. And so you got to find a way to convince yourself that this is going to be the year. This is going to be the <laughs> yeah. organizational structure that works. And that's, you know, uh, an exercise, unfortunately, that I had to do a lot of my career, yeah. um, you know, but it, it's kind of like going into the season, you know, I played for 20 quarterbacks uh, in the NFL and wow. each one of them, in order to get the most out of yourself and your teammates, you got to convince yourself that this is the guy, right? Because without that hope, without that belief in the guy behind center or that head coach that's in the coaching box, like yeah. you're not going to get the best effort and the best preparation that you need from all of your teammates to give yourself a chance to win. In the NFL, every team is so good, you got to at least give yourself a chance. you got to give yourself the best chance possible week in and week out. Um, so really, it's it's a little bit of mind control. It's it's controlling your optimism. And, uh, you know, I, I think you did hit, hit the nail on the head, though. I, I think this Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski yeah. team with GM head coach, uh, it seems to be working really well. And I, I think it's probably the best unit that I've seen the Browns put together since I've been there in 2007. Yeah, 10th time's the charm. We better all push for that one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I also remember you playing with another great lineman on that line, Alex Mack being the center. Uh, for a number of years together too. What's your relationship like him, with him and how did you guys enjoy playing with each other? Yeah, Alex, he was my best friend when I was in Cleveland. He's still oh. my best friend from uh, my playing days. We keep in contact all the time and he's going through a little bit of a tough spell down in Atlanta. They just fired their coach. And I, yeah. I'll never forget when I was trying to recruit him to come back to Cleveland uh, before he signed with the Falcons, you know, he was just so fed up with the losing that he really yeah. wanted to try to go somewhere where it would kind of assure him of a chance to have uh, playoffs every year and have a chance to play with a great quarterback. And the first year they're down there, shoot, they got Kyle Shanahan's the offensive coordinator, Matt yep. Ryan's the quarterback. Everybody thinks life is good. They make it to the Super Bowl, almost win a Super Bowl. And since then it's been doggy doo-doo and I feel really <laughs> bad for him. Right. Cause he's, but it was one of the things I kind of mentioned to him. I said, Hey, the NFL is crazy. Nobody can predict what's going to happen before the season starts. You think Matt Ryan's going to be a great quarterback, going to be a pro bowler for a long yeah, time. Right. You think Kyle Shanahan, you love going there and playing for his offense. But the problem is when you go somewhere and play for an offensive coordinator, if they're really good, they're going to go and leave and be the head coach. Yeah. And I think that's really been the biggest issue down in Atlanta with Alex um, is Kyle was so good that he got that head coaching job. And then the guys that they brought in just weren't able to replicate Kyle's success. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately for them, um, it's led to really, really poor performance. And now the, the head coach just got fired. And so, um, well, I don't think you always have to hire an offensive mind. Obviously it's worked in Pittsburgh with Mike Tomlin. Uh, yeah. I think it gives you a level of security that, you know, if you do have success with an offensive head coach, you're going to at least be able to keep the same offense with the quarterback. That's probably, you know, being tutored under him and learning his offense and learning every single thing he has to know. Um, so you don't have to get left with a, a situation like they did in Atlanta where the genius on offense that was kind of leading the success of the team goes and leaves and you just don't have a way to replace him. So you've heard it here, Steeler Nation, straight from Joe Thomas's mouth. 
Alex Max is cursed. So we're sorry <laughs> about that. Make sure you let him know that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> He's going to have a long career. And obviously, is he coaching the offensive line there in uh, Atlanta? Uh, he's still he's still a center down there, um, oh, but he yeah, yeah, he's still playing. Wow! I know he's like man. I, <laughs> I think this is year oh, uh, eleven or twelve for him. So yeah, he's yeah. he's oh, been down awesome. there a while. Uh, so yeah. he'll, he'll probably get into coaching when he's done, though. Uh, he's he's just such a smart NFL player. And that's something that Steelman also asked us from the the forum site. Did you ever consider going into coaching as well? You know, I would love to coach, but unfortunately, the amount of time that it takes to be a coach, it actually becomes just about everything you have time for in your life. And after committing a lot of my time in my life to the game of football and making that the priority, I really wanted to make sure to make my family and my kids my priority when I retired. And so coaching really didn't fit into that. But, um, you know, maybe when I'm when my kids are in college and they're out of the house, I, I would consider it because I do love teaching guys. I, I love watching film and, and imparting some of the knowledge that I had from 11 years in the NFL uh, on young offensive linemen. So I, I wouldn't close the door to it, but definitely not right now. And Drink Iron City also noticed on your Twitter site, speaking of your family, it looks like you have a ranch or a farm. It looks like you have your kids out there wrangling cows. What's going on over there? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that, that's one of the fun things we like to do as a family. We've got a farm in Wisconsin and we raise oh, beef cattle and corn and soybeans and alfalfa. And uh, it, it's fun going out there and letting the kids run around and pretend they're, they're farm kids and <laughs> running after the baby calves when they escape. Yeah. That's that's like my favorite pastime is just watching them run after the cows. <laughs> oh, the, the videos are super cute on your Twitter, man. Well, Thank you for that. that with everybody. That was great. Yeah, man. And um, Black and Gold Bleeder wanted to know, and since we're fans, we, we also want to get your input on this, is where there, will there be any animosity between the Steelers players and Miles Garrett, given the severity of the actions and the media circuits between he and Mason Rudolph at the last game? I imagine there's going to be a little bit of a grudge and I wouldn't be surprised if there's a little chippiness early on, but I think listening to miles throughout the off season and kind of hearing about the remorse that he felt about the situation and how everything went down and how he's talked about how he's matured and grown from it. Um, I, I think he's going to not be confrontational. I'll say. Yeah. Um, and so we'll, we'll see how the Steelers react to him personally, but I'm sure that the Browns coaches have put in a few extra hours in the office with miles after practice is over, just talking about, Hey, all right, we got to keep our head in this game. We don't need any unnecessary penalties. We don't need yeah. to let you get baited into doing anything. Um, and so I, I think if, if Mason Rudolph was playing quarterback still, it might be a different ball game, but the fact that Ben's in there at quarterback, I think maybe some of that hopefully can be forgotten. And, and hopefully, uh, but the, it'll definitely the news, the, hopefully the TV crew won't show that replay like eight times yeah. before the game. <laughs> they look at this exactly. rivalry. Let's watch this. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah we, exactly. And we'd like to move past it. Obviously, Steeler fans have a little bit of hatred for Miles Garrett with what he did, but we also understand that he's also a defensive player of the year a potential player as well because he's very impactful there in the defensive game and it's something that I mean we saw in the tie that we had a couple years back when uh, he knocked that ball out of Big Ben's hand to get that that uh, turnover and ended up at you know starting them on the not losing phase for a season with a tie to start that season so that's it's, it's, <laughs> it's the way it can happen <laughs> absolutely absolutely and, and Hunter I, I before we leave you I want to give Hunter at least one last chance if he's got anything else here to add 
Of course. I, I think I got the most important question of all, actually, Joe. I saw, uh, <laughs> I saw one of your tweets where it looked like you were having some fun with Michael Irvin admitting that he was a jorts guy. So, <laughs> so I got I to gotta do – I got to be a journalist here. You know, a good journalist follows up on questions. So I got to – is Joe Thomas a jorts guy? Because I'm not going to lie, Wisconsin farm, I could see you rocking some jorts. I am. I'm going to be totally honest. I have uh, poor fashion sense, which means I've got actually two pairs of jorts yeah. in my closet. Uh, I do like a nice pair of jorts. They got to be stretchy jorts, though. I'm not stretchy. a big yeah. stiff denim guy. I got pretty big thighs still, unfortunately. Uh, so they got to be nice, stretchy cut off jorts and uh, i wear them proudly with my tank tops in the summer when it's uh you know america's holiday right, right around have, the 4th. this is the perfect time to wear jorts in a america america tank top you have you have excellent taste sir and oh, thank you. Is, it, is it blue denim always or do you do you dabble in the black denim waters you know, to be honest, I don't have any black denim. I'm not sure why. I guess uh, I only have, like, three pairs of jeans. And so when you only have three pairs, like, you just keep it pretty basic, like, two dark blue and, like, a little lighter blue. And uh, I guess that's all you need because you really don't need to wear a new pair of jeans every day. You really – it's kind of like college. You only need to wash them, like, right? once a week, and you're, you're good to go. I'm living with you there. I understand that. I'm in my 40s. I understand. And, uh, <laughs> shorts, everybody. Steel Nation, that is short for jean shorts combined to make jorts so that was our big joke joe thank you so much for for spending a half an hour with us and it flew by man it's really know, great man. having you on the show um, hey it was my pleasure I, I would be happy to come back and uh awesome. maybe if if the browns ever do beat the steelers you got to invite me back so i can gloat just a little bit for once in my career easily well i think we should we can have some uh we can make some uh what's it called some maybe some uh, bets back and forth and having yeah, us with Browns gear or something for a show if we lose out but uh, we, jorts and browns that. gear that's what i was gonna say i'll wear jorts and an odell jersey if they win just for you, just for you. And, and, and if the steelers win i'll wear jorts and uh, maybe a big ben jersey but you there have to go. send it to me because i know it's a shocker i don't have one in my closet oh, I, <laughs> yeah, okay. maybe a tj watt Maybe there TJ Watt would be more uh, palatable being a yeah, Wisconsin okay, right. guy. We'll keep okay. the Wisconsin's connection there. So <sighs> we can make Steeler that Nation, happen. Make sure to reach out to Joe on Twitter at Joe Thomas 73. That is at J O E T H O M A S 73. And Joe, we have a, we even have a small Cleveland Browns helmet here showing the matchup. I know you're not on the video, <laughs> but, but just so you know, we do have some love for the Browns here in the smallest helmet that I have of all my helmets displayed. Uh, that wouldn't fit on my thumb (laughs) (laughs) are there any other programs or charities that you'd like to uh, report to our football fans out there before you leave well yeah we actually have uh, Mission Barbecue it's a couple buddies and and myself we got uh, a restaurant in the Pittsburgh area we've got some in Youngstown Cleveland kind of all over the Midwest and um, check it out it's it's really good barbecue and we're uh, really committed to giving back to first responders, military, police, firefighters, yeah. EMTs, and um, proudly serving great barbecue every single day of the year. Um, and Mission, Mission Barbecue is excellent. I've eaten there. and I, I, yeah, I guess yeah. it's a chain. So you own some franchises? Yeah, it was actually um, started by a, a friend of mine from Wisconsin. We wow. connected when, we were, when he was working at Under Armour. And then um, once we uh, – he started it, and then once – things started rolling and we wanted to start opening up some stores in Ohio, Pennsylvania, the Midwest areas. I jumped on board and I've been twisting uh, Alejandro Villanueva's arm a little bit 
trying to get him on board because obviously it would be such a natural fit with his background in the Army. Yes. Um, and we're Definitely. close. We're close Definitely. to getting him as a partner. Uh, we just maybe need one more little push this season, and I think we got him. So, uh, But either way, it's serving up good barbecue, and you got to check it out. That's killer, man. Is yours out here? And Is it the one in Robinson Township? That's right. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to snag some lunch there. Check this it out, man. man. That's Absolutely. awesome. Yeah. And guys, if you've never been to Mission Barbecue, I was pleasantly surprised at noon every day. I don't know if it's for your franchises as well, but yep. we were greeted by the National Anthem. So I, I was in there to, to respect the National Anthem, have some great barbecue, and see some excellent um, designs all around, you know, showing their love for first responders and um, all of the armed forces. So it's a really, really nice place to go in and take your family, enjoy some great barbecue, relax, and then enjoy the armed forces as well. So thank you for being a part of that and let us know about that, Joe. And we will be yeah, in man. touch and to hopefully have you back on here soon. Cool. I appreciate that, guys. Go Brownies. <laughs> All right. Go Steelers. <laughs> <All right. laughs> we'll Thanks again, guys. man. Later. Bye. Now, that was awesome, Steeler Nation. We got to have an enemy come over so we could have a friendly conversation about the biggest divisional matchup so far of the season featuring the Brownies and the Steelers. Dude, he he's too awesome, man. You know this the <laughs> saying like like don't meet your heroes. I think don't meet yeah. your enemies. Like don't meet your enemies should be another one. Because now I like I like Joe Thomas obviously, and I like yeah. kind of want to like the Browns a little more just by association. So it's like, damn, Joe Thomas is converting me into not hating the Browns now. Well, to tell you the truth, my <laughs> hatred for the Browns left when they moved to Baltimore. Because I always hated the Browns. They had great teams, you know, always making the AFC championship games. And they had great Schottenheimer as the coach. And, and um, but then they just, as soon as they came back, they came back as a franchise team. They weren't a team that was established. I mean, that's why Baltimore was so good. That's why Baltimore won championships is because Ozzie Newsom was still their GM, transitioned from Cleveland to Baltimore, made all those great picks. And then Baltimore and not Cleveland was the team that ended up winning those championships. So, you know, that, so that's why Baltimore earned my ire and my hatred because I still tell my Baltimore friends, oh, you mean the old Browns? And, oh, oh look, Ravens are going to, oh, you mean the old Browns? And I hate that. So make sure you use fair. that one if you're talking with Ravens fans because they really hate that. But the new Browns coming back up, being built from the ground up, they really haven't been the same since. I mean, Joe made reference to really their only competitive season since they've come back was that 10-6 and six season when the right. Steelers did win the division by sweeping them in regular season. So it's got to be difficult on that respect. But now to tell you the truth though, I've got to say I am starting to get a hatred for the Browns because my hatred had been formed for the Cincinnati Bengals within the last couple of years with all that Vontez perfect bullshit that was going on with him intentionally trying to hurt people and spin people's ankles off of their legs and helmet to helmet receivers across the middle of the field. I mean, that, that, I mean, I, I can't stand that guy, and I hated that guy so damn much. But since he's left, and with the Miles Garrett stuff, I'm like, I got a new guy to hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. so Miles Garrett now has my ire. I mean, I know he's an excellent player. We're gonna have to scheme against this guy, but it, it's just one of those things that yeah, yeah. Now I got a little bit of hatred for Cleveland again, and it's been a while. Yeah, it's always more fun. It's it's exactly like Joe said that the teams yeah. kind of mirror the fans intensity going into the week so of course you know fans are feeling that hatred a little bit and like he said he's sure the players are going to be feeling it a little bit as well so it's going to be a hot game man you talk about combined record of eight and one I don't know that yeah. they've 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 definitely never met with combined records that strong highly doubtful and it's just crazy you know what's on the line just within the division like he said what this could mean 
for a tiebreaker down the line. But overall, man, I always feel like I felt this way after Robert Golden was done too. It's like, how do we continue the show after that? Like Joe was so right. that I, don't, <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to be cutting it short. We're not going to go through every player like we normally do. I mean, we'll do a quick rundown. Obviously Steelers with five sacks again in the game this past week. So, I mean, they're consistent as hell. 20 sacks in, five, in four games. They're on yeah. pace for 80. That would be a league record. 72, I think, is the record currently. Um, and Nelson got two interceptions. Wentz, I mean, he had a good game, but he was still held to 57% completion percentage. So that's a pretty good job other than, you know, Fulgham was the monster. And that, yeah. that was the thing that, you know, Steelers like, why can't we get off on the field third down? Why can't we get off on the field third down? What the hell are we doing? What the hell is wrong with this defense? Nothing was wrong with the defense. There were defenders draped on him, whether – whether it was Nelson, whether it was Edmonds, whether it was freaking Hilton, the guy was making plays and he was catching ball. I think only two of his 11 catches was in an open zone where he found yeah. a soft spot. Everybody yeah. else, he was just making a play on a guy, which is just like, you got to give it up to him because in this, and this is my, the point that I want to make too. And <laughs> it's especially for you, Hunter, because you yeah. love it when I go off on these freaking tangents. Do it. Is, it looks like the Steelers are prepping their defense the way – the New England Patriots were doing their defenses. Okay. And that was they use a lot of different skill players on defense to nullify the other team's number one weapon. Going into that game, Zach Ertz. That was my number one weapon. I'm like, Steelers are going to have a handful of Zach Ertz. He's going to have a tough time. One catch, six targets, six yards. Yeah, Steelers' crazy. game plan was to shut down Zach Ertz, and they did. Absolutely. He was nullified. So they're like – well, we're not going to worry about this Fulgham guy because he doesn't even really have any stats. And he ripped up – he had a monster game. Okay, 152 yards, a touchdown, 10 catches, yeah. But that's the same thing what happened in the Super Bowl when the Eagles faced the Patriots the first time. They're like, we're here to shut down Westbrook. And mm -hmm. they did. Westbrook got shut down. Terrell Owens was on that team. He hadn't played all playoffs because he was injured. Came back for the Super Bowl. They're like, whatever. He'll do whatever. But we'll just shut down because they're going to obviously have to run the offense through Westbrook. They shut down Westbrook, and T.O. had an awesome game. He had, like, 150-some yards, a couple touchdowns. And, of course, like, he was happy that he had a great game in the Super Bowl, even though they lost. He's one of those type of receivers, you know. <laughs> but um, Wow. The shade. <laughs> the shade striker. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing at Hunter back. I mean, don't worry. I, I love his skill set, too, and I still agree with you. I think he's one of the best. But most, he is the most talented wide receiver I've ever seen play in the black and gold two days. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. you know, just making that reference for Patriots, not only are they doing it on defense, but they're doing it a little bit on offense. We're doing mm -hmm. a lot of that ball control. Games are close, but we've never been out of games. Our biggest deficit was that 3-14 to 14 in the first half against Houston. And then we decided, hey, we got to shut down Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson was shut down the second half. Barkley was shut down the full first game yeah. that we saw. Um, and then offensively, you just take the air out of the ball at the end of the game on possessions. And that's what we're doing. We're getting first downs, whether it's on the ground, whether it's on end arounds. And I mean, I, I hate the Patriots, but this is looking like Patriot-esque football a bit with the way that they set up both offensively on defensively to hold the ball on offense, take the air out of the ball and on defense to take their number one weapon out of the game. Right. Yeah, man, I definitely agree. And I forgot my air horn today to get you on a name, but you oh, which one it. was it? Finally, did it. You said D Deshaun Jackson instead of Deshaun Watson. Yes, but. thank you. <laughs> but I like it. I like it though. Like I love. Up a name. <laughs> I gotta love the consistency. But one more thing I wanted to point out from the Eagles game, just to put a bow on that, was 
if yeah. you had Miles Sanders in fantasy football, you know, he had a great game for fantasy yeah. purposes. Yeah, but he did. You watch the whole game. He basically had one run. Yes, the he one did. Run. Like, that was it. <laughs> Everything else. Oh, yeah. They really did shut him down, but the one game-breaking 74-yard touchdown, that changed everything. So, Miles Sanders – I mean, all kudos to Miles. It was a great run. It was a great scheme, great yeah. call all the way around. Steelers missed a tackle, and that's all it took. So Yeah, and that's, oh, a, that's a tackle usually Hilton makes. Absolutely. Yeah, it, was a, it was a good move in the hole. I mean, I couldn't really fold him too much. It sucked. But, but you're and, right. After that run, Miles Sanders was nine rushes for six yards. Yeah. So the rest that's, of the game. So there you go. That's not that's what they've done to every other running back so far this year. And the Steelers are actually second in rushing defense now in the league. And it's literally because of that one run. <laughs> like yeah. if that wouldn't have happened, they would still be first. So I have no concerns about the team's rushing defense. It's as good as I've ever seen it, honestly. Watching teams try to run against them is crazy. Yeah. And that forces them to pass, which is also a crazy alternative. We just talked about the sacks. So the defense is still nasty, man. There, there are some concerns with the secondary. You know, this is a couple weeks in a row that yeah. they've been getting shredded up. If the pass rush doesn't get home, teams have shown an ability to just kind of pick them apart, to dink and dunk, to run, you know, Travis Fulgham on them for no reason. Like, who are hey. these guys making plays? <laughs> yeah. But this week against the Browns, man, you can't Odell, Booker, Booker, or Odell Beckham is a Travis Fulgham guy. He can make those combat catches. We're, we're yeah. going to find out real quick what the Steelers are made of this week because, you know, the big thing everybody's saying is, oh, the teams have a whatever, 2-13 and 13 combined record, whatever it is so far. Not anymore. You know, yeah. this Browns team's legit. So yeah. if, they, if they beat the Browns, it's time to say this team's undefeated for a reason, and that's because they're really talented, not because yes. they're playing poor teams. And they are. They are they're talented. talented. There's yeah. Anybody who watches the games knows that, but yeah. for the talking heads that still want to doubt them. And that was right, Joe Thomas saying, you know, he'd rather have a whole team of B receivers. And what he's yep. saying is like the next tier down where everybody yep. is able to make a play. And that's exactly what we have this year. And I, I yeah. think that all of these receivers, we already know Juju and Connor are, are Pro Bowl talents. I mean, I, I'm watching Claypool's game. I'm watching Deontay Johnson's game. I think they're potential play, uh, you know, Pro Bowl talents as well. And still even Ray Ray, when he's getting in the game, he's making plays. Washington's still making plays, whether he's taking penalties or making big catches for first downs. I mean, He's yeah. just a tough receiver. So it's, it makes it really difficult. And that's even before throwing in the tight ends that both can make plays. Dude, so, I got to be honest, man. I'm getting a, little, getting a little worried about Deontay's durability. It's becoming a trend yeah. at this point to where it's not a coincidence anymore. I feel like he's yeah. bang, banged up in rookie camp, got banged up during the season a couple times last year, yeah. banged up again this past training camp, missed a lot of time in camp, and now has been injured in a couple games already this year. But it's, it's – it's, Damn, the dude's so good. I, yeah. Like I tweet, I tweeted it during the game. Like it's going to be frustrating if we never get to see his potential because he's one of those guys who's just so electric. And you throw him in the mix. Like I'm just selfishly mad that I don't get to watch him play. Like that's it. Yeah. Like yeah. Because I love I love watching him play. Yeah. It's that great exactly. situation. He's smart. Um, but the thing for me, like I got to walk back a statement that I said last week. Even you know, right after he got. Uh, his bell rung the previous time is, you know, I, I wanted Johnson on punt returns when it's a returnable punt return, like what happened in this previous game mm -hmm. where he's going to be getting the ball right around the 30 or 40 yard line with a chance to return it. Yeah. It happened this past game. He got hit in the back. I'm done. I, I want him off a punt yeah. return now and just Ray Ray. Yeah. So I mean, Ray Ray's shown enough. I, I, I flip flop there. I'm yeah. Sorry. I'm not even, 
as good as Deontay is healthy as possible. Yeah, <laughs> as good as Deontay is on punt returns and obviously a second yeah. team all pro is a rookie, he's one yeah. of the best. Yes. I don't think Ray Ray is going to be a huge step down no. from, from what we've seen. You know, Ray Ray's been very good. I would much rather have Deontay out there to add another weapon on offense because I mean, Chase Claypool did have a ridiculous game, but like we said, he's not going to keep that pace all year. He's like, you want these weapons on offense more than on special teams. Deontay needs to be out there to add that extra layer. And honestly, dude, one thing I think, since you just kind of slandered AB's good name a little, (laughs) I just want to talk about, I just want to talk about how impressive his durability was being the same size, same size as Deontay playing a very similar style, but always he was able to avoid contact so much better than Deontay. And I know him and Deontay are, or at least were close, you know, they were training together in the off season a little bit. I would love for Deontay to talk to AB a little bit to get some tricks of how he would take care of his body, because that's, So one of the things that never really gets talked about with AB was his ability to oh, absorb punishment. And yeah. you touch being, the ball that smaller guy, like you're that small, the guy just never really got hurt. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, so quickly, offensive, defensive game balls. Who do you have there, Hunter? Oh, the offensive game ball. <laughs> <laughs> Who could that possibly be? That's why I let you lead. <laughs> hey, I mean, you can't not say Claypool, yeah. but I mean, I, out, yeah, come yeah. on. Too. What about you? I obviously play offense for me. I'm going with Ben Roethlisberger. Okay, it, there you go. It's he's really done a great job. He spread the ball out to nine people last game. Um, he's now at the point where he, in the progression of him being a quarterback, just understanding the game so well, being able to read and recognize defenses before the snap, call the correct audibles, get the correct personnel, the right spots, so he can have a wide open touchdown to your game ball. Chase Claypool, yeah, yeah. which is – yeah. I always want to say less Claypool. You're going to catch me one of these times. Less Claypool. My favorite that's bassist okay. ever. I was going to say that. Five, so. That's what I was going <laughs> to say. There's there's the music guy in you creeping out. Yeah, yeah that's, that one's going to get me one of these weeks. But, uh, but, yeah, then on defense, who you got? So, definitely between two guys here. And I, I'm going to go – yeah, they're they're literally toss ups for me. I'll go Steven Nelson with two picks. That's huge for him. That's the second, I love, dude. One of my favorite things. You know, I'm glad yeah. I went with this one just so I could rant about this. Is everybody, <laughs> everybody on Twitter like, oh, he should have he should have knocked that pass down. The smart play was to knock it down. Absolutely, that was the smart play. <laughs> but what you guys got to understand is the mentality of being in a game. Like, have you ever? If you've ever played a sport, you're not yeah. thinking about that at that time. That's <laughs> instincts. That was instinctual to yeah. jump up and catch the freaking ball coming at you. Now, for sure, the next level play would have been to bat it down. That would have been smart. But the ability to turn that, flip that switch, that's nearly impossible. Yeah. That's like that's like going down on a fast break and you have a dunk, but there's only a couple seconds left on the clock, so you pull the ball out and just burn the clock. Like, you're going yeah. to dunk it. Yeah. You're, just gonna, you're going to. <laughs> So, you're, I mean, you're already up by three. You might as well dunk it. <laughs> right, exactly. Why not? Actually, and that's it would be up by four because we are up by nine. There's no chance of them getting a score and coming back, really. But, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, So, for my defensive player in that game, I am going to go with the signed autograph that you can get at mm. Total Sports Entertainment with T.J. Watt getting a big sack early to start that game to force that three and out the first drive. Also, with three total TFLs in that game, and having a separated shoulder, knocking it back into place, and coming back and still playing at a high level. 
TJ, you've got my love. You've got my game ball. That's awesome. That actually isn't the other guy I was between with, with Steven Nelson. So interestingly so enough. I, I've got the other one I think it was. Hit it. Does, hit it. Does his last name start with a, t- with a two? It sure does. It sure <laughs> yeah, does. I was, I, was, I was thinking of giving Stephon to it as well with the one and a half sacks and being Dude, very disruptive on that line. It yeah. was the first time this year that I saw him look like to it from the beginning of last year before he yes. got hurt where he was just a wrecking machine. There were a couple plays against the Eagles where it was just like – Man, Stefan Tuitt's back. And if yeah. Stefan Tuitt's back at his peak, that whole defense is going to get better. So, yeah, Tuitt was my second one between him and Nelson and even Watt. I mean, of yeah. course, you could throw him in there. Yes. They, all had, they all had great games, so it's good to see them all coming around. TJ, we expected of, but for Tuitt and Nelson, it was good to see them putting together games like that. And we'll see how it serves them against the old brownies. Yeah, and Dustin Colquitt, for once, <laughs> not a problem. This is a hey. smart game. He had good punts across the board. It was nice to see and not have to be like, oh, crap. So no more Barry issues, hopefully, moving forward. And hopefully that floor is all the way up because I don't know what Tom was thinking before saying he had a higher floor because he looked just like Barry starting out. So, right. I but know. this is a great game for him. I at least want to give him a minor shout-out. He was – he made his distance kicks and he and he hit this the sidelines the angles inside the twenty so yeah really absolutely for the game. well well while we're doing while we're showing some love to special teams I mean I don't think we've talked about Chris Boswell all year yeah. but he's so automatic yeah. and he's right back he to his first extra point and since then he hasn't missed a kick yeah he's right back to the old Boswell yep. that that they extended that they gave the contract to that his drop off year the his bad year whatever two thousand eighteen I think it yep. was that's still. That's one of the most baffling seasons now in retrospect. Yeah. Just just to see somebody at that position go from so good to so bad to so good again. Yeah. I know I know there it were rumblings. I, I think he was dealing yeah. with some kind of groin thing. There were rumblings of that for sure, but yeah. the fact that that's never really been explored or anything well, is Steelers don't like to make excuses. Exactly. The they don't make But I, I would watch the Chris Boswell 30 for 30. Let's dig into yeah. his 2018 <laughs> <on> ESPN. <laughs> That's great. And breaking news, we heard that Le'Veon Bell is on the trade block from a tweet by Dob Clayman. Oh, really? So, yeah. So I, I, I broke it to you there, Hunter. He's on yeah. the trade block. So we don't know where Le'Veon Bell is going to be here, but it looks like they're trying to move him before Halloween. Happy Halloween, NFL. Le'Veon Bell needs a new team. Wow. Could you imagine? <laughs> yeah. I saw the, I saw, I think it was the New York Post uh, cover, get, get the bell out of here oh gosh <laughs> that's perfect that's perfect though like kudos yeah. to whoever wrote that yep. headline yeah i bet that's that's new york media new york media grills their oh they're brain. savage it they're is savage more difficult for any athlete to play in new york than any other place on the planet yeah because you get it from all ends and there's multiple publications so yep. like kudos to eli having the career that he did because man they wanted to throw him out of town every time he lost they wanted to throw coughlin out of town every time he didn't win a super bowl and he's like, he just, nope, he keeps coming around and winning more Super Bowls for you. You're welcome, New York. Yeah. He's Eli, happy with what they got. So Eli, <laughs> Eli had that sneaky confidence that a lot of guys have where you're just like, like nothing ever seemed to bother him. He never yeah. got, he never got high or low. He was yeah, just like sure. that baseline guy, just like, hey, yeah. and, and I'm just going to do my thing. So I think that served him really well. Whereas Le'Veon is definitely a more excitable guy, you know, more yeah. personality, a little more fluctuation in his attitude and everything so he he's getting shredded right now obviously and he yeah. he's not being shy about it I saw Gase talking about him as well like throwing some shade at him it's just weird it's unprofessional it looks weird yeah Le'Veon falling off the face of the earth is just crazy to me because he's a guy that 
again, we talk about AB being the most talented receiver to ever wear yeah. black and gold. Le'Veon could very well be the most talented running back to ever wear. It's pure talent. Agreed. And it's just crazy, man. It's crazy yeah. to see this drop off. I personally would love to see him back on the team just because of that. But I personally think there's no chance ever of that happening again. No. And I don't yeah. care. So that's that. Yeah, I think there's still more like nine more million owed or six more million owed on his salary for the rest of the year. Wisco came out. Steelers can afford it. They're nine mil under the cap. But why? I mean, yeah. you got Connor's already your bell back. Snell can be a your bell carrier if Connor goes down. And then you have some nice upstarts, too, with with a um, Gosh, why am I forgetting? McFarlane. Yep, McFarlane doing what looking like he's going to be something special as well. And you still have Jalen Samuels to help out there on some pass catches. So yeah. you, you don't need that back in the locker room. And he was the one of the reasons why your season got scuttled that year. So Yeah, yeah. Overall, so, man, I mean, it, it's just an exciting year for the Steelers on both sides of the ball. I think we we were excited for it all offseason, obviously, just excited for football to be back at all. But for them to start 4-0 and now have this huge game yeah. against the Browns looming, man, it's a – it's a sweet season so far. So Steelers fans, I think it's easy. It's easy to get negative about things when things aren't perfect or they're four and zero. But holy crap, we suck. You know, I'm seeing a lot of yeah. that. They definitely don't suck. You don't get to four and zero if you suck. But they're far from suck. We'll know. We'll know a lot more for next week's episode, and and we'll see yep. if Joe Thomas is joining us in jorts or not. <laughs> yep. And hopefully the Steelers' uh, defense pressure will continue this week against the Browns because they're going to need that for their secondary to hopefully have a smaller window and help them out to be able to defend those great receivers on the edge with Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis Jones. But Steeler Nation, we've made it another great hour with Hunter Homestack and Joe Thomas. Guys, you can follow Hunter, of course, on Twitter and Instagram at Hunter A. Homestack. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K. You'll see us again every week, 2 o'clock, on Facebook on Twitter. This is what we do. Thanks again, brother, for being over here and spending a beautiful hour with me, man. Of course, man. No better way to spend that hour. And like you said, it was awesome having Joe Thomas on. That was really cool. (laughs) Hopefully we can get him back on, like you said, after after a Browns game. But yeah, yeah, that was, that was a killer week, man. We'll do it again next week and maybe 5 and 0. I feel like we say that, you know, 1 and 0, 2 and 0, 3 and 0. How where's it going to end? 5 and 0. But to think that we haven't been 4 and 0 since the late 70s. This is just oh, it's weird. Both times 78 and 79 won a Super Bowl last time Steelers started 4 and 0. Another yeah. good stat to have out there. There Steelers. you go. So, so we'll see, man. Maybe 5 and 0. the charm. Yeah, for sure, dude. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. We'll see you next week. Anytime, brother. Talk to you soon. Later, dude. Visit our title sponsor at Total Sports Enterprises on Twitter to be part of their signed merchandise giveaways every week. Guys, get on there quickly for that Watt 8x10 signed um, picture that they have out now. They're giving it away tomorrow. So just get on there at Total Sports ENT and just retweet that, and you got a chance to win it. They give one away every week. Awesome stuff. You also check out their website at www.tseshop.com. You too can get great, unique gift on the SteelerNation.com gear page like this awesome Steeler Nation podcast shirt that I am currently wearing. Yeah, a little self-promotion there, but you can buy one of these awesome shirts. And we got some great slogans and stuff specifically for Steeler Nation to have a great time. So go to SteelerNation.com, click on the gear page and get geared up for your virtual tailgates and for the lucky few that actually get to go to the games. Congratulations, there, Steelers fans showing up here last week. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers information on the internet. 
click the podcast button to listen to one of our many interviews or click on the forum button for the best football discussion on the internet. Subscribe to Steeler Nation YouTube channel to be the first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads. And that is youtube.com slash C slash Steeler Nation. Tweet us at Steeler Nation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at Steeler Nation podcast. And follow your host, Stryker, on Twitter and Instagram at SN Stryker. Stryker spelled with a Y. Thank you for joining us for the SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. Even though Joe Thomas will not be joining us in our final cheer, we're still happy he was part of our show today. And I'm your host, G Stryker, with Hunter Homestek, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! <laughs>